Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. So when Father Ryan asked if I would give this talk, he gave me a title. He said, I'd like you to talk about how to engage the culture in terms of evangelization. And so I said I was happy to do it. Um, And I actually wrote down eight points. So pardon me as I keep my book in front of me because I've got, it wouldn't make sense to you to look at this, but it makes perfect sense to me, okay? So this is what I want to do. I want to take about, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes, and I want to walk you through what I think are eight things to keep in mind when it comes to evangelization and culture, and then we'll take a break. I'll buy a beer. I'll get that uh, truth, because I thought that would be a good one, that IPA, even though the description of truth on there is it's relativistic, but the beer is pretty good. And then we'll eat some more food and then we'll just have a conversation because that'll be the most fun. Okay. Does that sound good? So there's eight points. Here's point one. Uh, Know the good news yourself. And what does that mean? The kerygma. Can anyone give a good definition of the kerygma? Does anyone know what the kerygma is? Anyone? It's a word. Uh, And Pope Francis will say, like, get back to the kerygma. Like, let's start here. A lot of preachers uh, about kerygma. Anyone know the kerygma? Do you know it, sir? Yeah, go on. God created us. Sin disrupted that 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 plan that God had. Good. That's part two. Then God came to save us through Son Jesus on the cross. Then our response to that. So those four things are really important to keep in mind when we're talking about evangelization. It's good. And it's simple too. Okay. So God created sin breaks relationship. Jesus comes to restore that relationship. And then we have respond to his invitation and figure out how to live it. That stuff's really important to keep in mind. And if we forget the most basic things, then sometimes we can get lost. So know the good news yourself. And it's not just knowing those four things here in your head, but actually having an experience of them in your heart and in your life. And not just once, but all the time. That's really important that that keeps going. So having a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. And one way that you can tell that that's how someone is, is by the way that they talk about Jesus. If you listen, when Bishop Molesic goes around and gives talks, he drops Jesus's name like, like, Someone is dropping the name of their best friend, and that's because he is, right? So don't be afraid to use Jesus' name. He's, we've got to know him ourselves, And know that his Paschal mystery, okay, number two question, what's the Paschal mystery? We got the kerygma. What's the Paschal mystery? Anyone know that one? Okay. Yeah, okay, so Jesus is suffering death and resurrection. It's, it's, um, it's Holy Week. On uh, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, um, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Paschal Mystery. So that happened 2,000 years ago, that Jesus suffered, he died, and rose from the dead. But his Paschal Mystery needs to be your Paschal Mystery and my Paschal Mystery too. So have you ever had an experience where you're like, I am dying here. My heart is totally wrecked. I'm done. Did it just happen? Oh, okay. Oh, you spilled. If you spill some food, it's more severe than that usually. But there's some sort of some sort of uh, experience where you've hit it 
And then you realize, no, the Lord's coming in. And I thought it was going to be dying, but now I'm really growing and I'm living. If you look at your own life and think about the times where you've had the most growth, usually those moments came through some struggle, right? So that would be a moment, man, I live the Paschal mystery right there. I'll give you a good example. Even yesterday, we're, we're, are any of you familiar with these ballpark masses we're doing right now? Have you heard about these? Okay. 5 p.m. out at uh, County Stadium. And I've been trying to organize some different musicians around the diocese to work together. And most musicians are also artists, so they're highly temperamental. And to get them to, it's true. It's true. That's why they're good at what they do, because they're sensitive to beauty. But to get them to work together was hard. But we got the whole thing and they're like, well, this guy said this, this guy said that. But yeah, but look at where we are now because we went through the hard times together. Okay, so knowing that, knowing that Jesus' story is my story too, his Paschal mystery is my Paschal mystery. And then this, a recognition of your need for his love and mercy, not once, but like all the time, that you, that if God stopped thinking about you for a minute, you'd drop dead, you'd die, you wouldn't exist. Like that, that kind of stuff's really important. And it's easy to think, no, I got my life together. You know, I go to church, do God a favor. I'm doing pretty well. No, that's false. Like, we don't go, no, people think that. Like I'm going to church, do God a favor. Cause you know, he's been pretty good to me. No, we go to church. Why? We make the sign of the cross. Lord be with you and with your spirit. What do we do first? Acknowledge our sins. Brothers and sisters, let's acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. My fault, right? My fault, my most grievous fault. Like we're sinners in need of God's mercy, constantly thinking like that's who I am and I need God and he loves me. That's great. So constant de dependency on him. I brought um, the joy of the gospel. This is Pope Francis's first letter. And often in talks, I riff on the first two paragraphs and I'll share them briefly with you now because I think this is gold. And it, and it uh, guides a lot of my work. This is what Pope Francis says. The danger in today's world, pervaded by consumerism, is the desolation and anguish born complacent, complacent yet covetous heart, the feverish pursuit of frivolous pleasures and a blunted conscience. Now listen to this. Whenever our interior life becomes caught up in its own interests, its own concerns, there's no longer room for others, no longer a place for the poor. God's voice is no longer heard. The quiet joy of his love no longer felt. The desire to do good fades. Now here's the important part. Ready? This is a very real danger for believers too. Yeah, I'm there. I've been there. Listen, many fall prey to it and end up, have you ever been here? Resentful, angry, listless? You can say it if you have. You don't have to, but I have. I have. And he says, that's no way to live a dignified life. So what do you do? Here's the response. Article three, I invite all Christians, all, not some, all. That means the Pope, the cardinals, bishops, monsignors, priests, religious, lay people, active Catholics, faithful Catholics. I invite all Christians everywhere at this very moment. Boom. To what? A renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ or at least an openness to letting him encounter them. And I ask all of you to do this unfailingly once a year. Just kidding. It says one, each day, each day. Okay. Each day. That's it. So that's number one. Know the good news yourself. If we're not constantly in relation with Jesus, we're not going to be able to share him with anybody. Right? So let's get, get down the basics. Number two, know that Jesus has won the battle 
And get this, this kind of sounds weird, but it's true. And the church doesn't need to be defended. <gasps> oh no. But I think it's true. And I'm, I'm all for defending the faith in the sense that when it gets attacked, then we can give adequate answers and rational arguments back. But here's the thing. Jesus said that upon this rock, I've built my church and the, the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. So we have to take him at his word. Like he's won the victory. He beat death. Do you remember a couple weeks before Easter this year, we had the story of Lazarus. Remember the story of Lazarus? Who was he? Jesus' friend, who were his sisters? Martha and Mary. And how long was Lazarus dead by the time Jesus got there? Four days, right. And he probably stinks, that's right. So now this is not common for people who are dead and in the grave to be lifted out of the grave, right? Someone was asking me about my parents um, before. My mom died a year before I was ordained. My dad died seven years ago. But it would be like after burying my mom at Holy Cross Cemetery over in Brook Park by the airport, then going back four days later, and then Jesus being like, all right, watch this. And then that would freak you out, right? As it should, but we get too comfortable sometimes with these stories. But that's what Jesus did for Lazarus. The guy was dead and he brought him back to life. But eventually Lazarus would have to die again. Jesus, however, who was innocent, son of God, true God, true man, like us in all things but sin, was crucified on a cross. He died. He was buried. And then he didn't stay there. And this is weird too, because we could get too comfortable with this, that he rose from the dead, not like Lazarus. Lazarus was resuscitated. He'd have to die again. Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again. And he ascended the Father, sent the Spirit upon us, and he's been with us ever since in a way there that he's not limited by time and space, right? That's huge stuff. Because that's the case, we don't have to freak out and say, I've got to defend all these things. Like, Jesus won the victory? Just get behind him. Say, he won. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's actually refreshing. You don't have to do all the work. That's the nice thing about Christianity. Sometimes we think, I got to do all the work. You don't have to do all the work. It's, it's been done. Just participate in it. And then what, 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 what happens then is then you have confidence. And it's not, it's not cockiness. And it's not confidence in yourself because we're sinners, but Jesus comes and he's the one who's turning us into saints. So I have confidence in him. He beat death. So what am I afraid of? Like, why, why am I so, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, maybe, but it has been for 2,000 years. St. Augustine, Augustine says, if you, think the world's, if you think the world's bad now, or you think it's as bad as it's been, you haven't studied your history, okay? Three. Belief, not only that God loves us, but that he likes us too. It's a Pope Francis line. I think that's an important one. This is important. Sometimes people think that God is in competition with us as human beings, right? And that's actually a consequence of sin. God can't be in competition with his creation because he created us. He created this world. We're made in his image and likeness. We're made to be in communion and harmony and relationship with him. So when we fall into the trap of thinking God somehow is keeping something from me, uh, that becomes problematic and that keeps us from being who we are. So there's a lot of people, though, who think that. There's a lot of people, uh, even if they were raised Catholic, and you probably have maybe children 
or grandchildren who went to Catholic school their whole life or who were part of Life Teen or whatever the story is, and now they aren't that involved anymore. And you say, geez, um, what do I do? And I can tell you too, Father Ryan could share this with you as well. One of the hardest things to do these days, I think, is to go into a Catholic school and preach an all-school mass. Why is that? Because you can't presume what you might have been presuming 20 years ago or 40 years ago. And it's not that the Catholic schools aren't doing their jobs. It's just that the culture is heading in a different direction than our Catholic faith is. So not to mention, we went through this whole pandemic experience. So you had a lot of young people that during their very formative years were kept from their friends and socialization and weren't able to see faces for a while. So they're struggling and you've got to get back to ground zero here with them and let them know. And I've let the young people know, okay, that God does love you. And they'll be like, uh, but then I'll say this, but do you know, he likes you too. And why does he like, he likes you because you exist. And when he looks at you, he just takes great delight because you're his. And you may think, I don't even believe in God, but just for a moment, ask yourself, like, but if there is a God, what's he like? He loves you, and he also likes you, and he wants a relationship with you. And a lot of times you'll see the teens go, really? Like, oh, it's so simple, but that's really important, and a lot of young people do not know that. A lot of older people don't know that. And it's a good reminder to let people know, and then as we'll get, we'll see, then it's important to share our story too. I had a couple of friends who I thought of recently um, one is my, I won't tell you where she is, but she's from Russia and she's my tailor. And so you tell, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. My inseam is 28 and a half. So you can't buy that. So I just buy a 32 inch waist. And as long as they are, I just take them to Tanya, Tatiana, and she fixes them. But, um, I've known her for, since I've been ordained. So almost over 20 years. And I remember, um, she's from Russia and she would say, oh, I think religion is the opiate to the people, Damian. I'm like, yeah. She's like, I don't believe in God. And then near the end of our conversation, would you please pray for my son? And I'll be like, oh, I will. Yeah. And then I have another friend who we were in the seminary together and he too now says, I don't know what's out there, you know, and I just very drifting and sometimes says atheist, sometimes agnostic. But when his mother was sick, guess who he called to anoint his mom and pray with her, right? So what I'm saying is this stuff is in there and treat when you're encountering people, treat them as if it's there and you have to be reverent about what that is. And you're not going to bring it out like with your wrath, but you will bring it out with your kindness and, and with your authentic self. Okay. So that's what I think is number three. Um, belief that God loves us, but also he likes us too, you know, because there's a difference between a, like a parent going to a kid's game and then being like, I really don't want to be here, but I just kind of know I have to be here. It's still good that the parent's there, right? But my dad used to come to all my baseball games. He was an elevator mechanic and he drove down, drove a, a Chevy or a S10 pickup, 1989 pickup truck. He'd come to all my games and he was just so happy to watch me play ball all the time. And he didn't have to be there out of duty. He wanted to be there and he delighted in it, right? That's how God, when he looks at us, he just likes, he likes us. He loves us, but he also likes us. He enjoys us. That's really important. And a lot of people don't believe that or know it or haven't experienced it yet. So hopefully you have, because you can't share what you haven't experienced, right? Okay, number four. 
Always find something. This is now we, we are kind of working on ourselves. Now we're starting to look out. Always find something good, beautiful, and true in encountering others. So whether it's your grandchildren or your children or someone who doesn't know the Lord, figure out what it is that they do like. And then when you feel they like, ask them why they like that sort of thing. And then you found, because what you're going to need in conversation is some traction, right? And there's, if you can recognize the good, that good comes from God, right? Because God is all good. So you've got something good, and then you can start talking about that particular thing. Were any of you part of our Anna and Joachim uh, workshops for grandparents here? We did them last year. We did four of them around the diocese. Over 400 grandparents came out for training. And one of the things that um, came up over and over again from the grandparents was, I'm trying to, when I ever get my kids around, I'm just trying to teach them the faith and they seem resistant. So, okay, this is what we said. I was there with my youth minister and the young adult minister of the diocese. And we said, the most important thing to do at first is to ask, a, like, actually this gets into five, but figure out what your grandchildren like and then let them talk to you about what it is that they like. And then you've got some traction. And then you could say, oh, I like this too, or I like that too. I'll give you a good example of finding something good, beautiful, and true in, um, in a homily. This is, I, for some reason, as I was preparing this, this homily came to mind. Uh, I was at St. Joe's High School in, um, on Rocky River Drive. You know that one out there? Next to Port Clare Monastery. This was probably 10 years ago now. And it was the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And again, like, Okay, I'm coming into a high school, a gym full of Catholic girls, well, Catholic school girls, not all of them are Catholic, but I have to preach to all of them, and I've got to figure out how I can, how I can connect somehow. At that same time, Miley Cyrus came out with the, the uh, album Bangers. Does anyone remember that? It had, um, you, we can't stop, we won't stop. Some of the older people are like, what is he talking about? But trust me, it was, it was a good album. And then Wrecking Ball was also on there. Maybe some of you remember, okay? But here's what happened. The opening track of that album is a song called Adore. Does anyone, any of you younger people know the song Adore by Miley? Someone does. Okay. Do you remember the line? You and, the grammar is improper, but you and me were meant to be. In, can you sing the rest? Oh, it's like, you and, it was like, you and me were meant to be in holy matrimony. God knew exactly what he was doing when he brought me to you. Yes, really, that's exactly, see, when you said really, but here's the thing, those girls knew that I listened to that, and they're like, okay, you've got me now, right? And so I talked about that as God's original plan, and then the very next track is, we can't stop, we won't stop, which is the voice of the devil, he's like, it's our party, we can do what we want. So, connect, so knowing those things, and then making that connection, they were there, had them, right? Because it was something that they liked, that they were listening to, and then I was able to start there and then start doing some theological reflection from there. That's your traction point. So even if you don't like Taylor Swift, know a song or two or ask, what song do you like and why do you like that song? And then talk it out a little bit. People like to talk about the things that they like, right? Okay, so find the good. Um, 
we're doing, I, I mentioned we're doing these ballpark masses, but people like baseball, people like ballparks. So we're going to have mass in four ballparks this summer, right? In uh, Lorraine and then at League Park and then out in, uh, well, Lake County and then down in Ashland. Next summer, we hope to use Akron Rubber Duck Stadium. And then the next summer, we want to use Progressive Field. So connecting baseball and, and mass. Well, you're doing it here. You got a tent outside. Why not do evangelization in a tent? See? It's great. Okay. Five. Don't worry. We're, we're almost done. Five, ask, ask lots of questions, right? We're all supposed to be preachers, that's true, but ask questions and then listen. People, people, like, to be, people like to be listened to. And I admit, I'm not a great listener. But there's my friends, I pick my friends because they are good listeners, right? Yeah, when, but, but I like, I, when I'm with people that I've never met before, especially young people, I'll be sitting here and I'll just start doing an interview game. Like, what's your favorite color? And, da, da, da. and the kids love it. And they like being listened to. And then they start talking. So ask good questions. There's a great lack of friendship in the world today. This is why a lot of people are online, especially young people trying to connect. But what people don't have are a lot of friends. And young people are reporting a lack of friends. Some say they don't have any friends, any real friends. It's really sad. And even when it comes to dating, like, like asking someone out, that gets really difficult. So simply sitting with someone and listening is a great ministry. So being able to listen to people and ask good questions and then follow up. And what do you think about all this? With my staff, um, there's 20, 22 people on my staff downtown and we're on the fifth floor. And so I do something called Together Tuesdays. We get together at noon every Tuesday. We got a big long table and it's kind of a mandatory thing. We've got a basketball and then I have a question of the day. And then I ask the question and then well, I, I email them in the morning and then everybody gets 30 seconds to answer the question. Then we pray and then we eat. And for an hour, we just eat together. And it's really fun. And it's community time and it's important time. So you could ask people, what's important to you? What's been your experience of God and the church, right? And then once you listen to them, then you've earned your right to then share your story too, you see? But this is when Pope Francis talks about a listening church. Like, just listen to people. See what's going on. I went out to um, dinner with a couple atheists during Lent. I did. They, I mean, they claim to be atheists. And I went out to dinner with them, both raised Catholic. And then, you know, we had some wine and we're talking. And then about halfway through dinner, I hear about how um, one of these people was experienced mistreatment by a priest. Um, not, not like sexual abuse or anything, but just not pastorally kind. And I was hearing, oh, okay, okay. There's, see, there's, there's a story there. And to, to listen and to get to it. I really haven't met many hard, like some philosophers are hardcore atheists, but a lot of people have just been really hurt and it's easier not to believe in God. Hmm. And that's important to know because then you, if someone says, I don't believe in God, why, why not? And then listen to their answers, right? Six, be ready to give a reason for your hope. So you've listened. Now this is First Peter 3.15. Be ready to give a reason for your hope. What does your Catholic faith mean to you? I preached on this... Um, I don't know, I had a 7.30 Mass here a month ago when I was talking about a little bit about the Eucharistic Revival because we're, we're, it's entering into the a parish phase just this weekend. But if someone asks you, like, why, why are you Catholic? Could you give an answer, a good one, like a convicting one? What would you say? Like, what's the reason? Or why, why do you go to church every Sunday? 
Why do you believe in the Eucharist? What's your story? Have you suffered? Have you experienced redemption? Have you experienced God's healing? Have you, have, has he changed your life? Has he transformed the way that you are? Do you know the living God? What did your life look like before? Maybe you've struggled with addiction. Maybe you lived a whole other life and now you're here and you say, geez, I can't believe this is, this is, this is who I am now, but look what the Lord has done for me. If we have more time, maybe in the Q&A, I could get into a little bit more of that. But I think that's really important because then, see, what you're giving, you're giving an argument. Like I said, the church doesn't need to be defended, but, but you do need to showcase what the church is and who Christ is for you. So your embodied argument, your own witness, your story, that's it. Then people can see God alive in you. You're like, oh, wow. That's what saints do, by the way. You're like, whoa. You know, you come across someone, you're like... There's something different about that person. Okay, number seven, pray to the Holy Spirit. This is key, and I don't think we do it enough as Catholics. We just had Trinity Sunday. I mean, the Father gets a lot of attention, the Son gets a lot of attention, but sometimes we forget the Lord, the giver of life. And it's really important to call upon Him often. So before any meeting, you ask my staff downtown, we're always praying. We're praying hard to the Holy Spirit. Someone comes in, Father, this happened, or I got this phone call. What's the Spirit saying, you know? And where are we supposed to be going with this? And how is this supposed to happen? How are we going to get this thing done? Fran, any of you know Francine Costantini? She's the director of uh, youth ministry for the diocese. She used to be the youth minister at St. Barnabas. Before that, she was at St. Clarence. She's dynamite. I work with her all the time. I was asking my staff about like dreams, like where's the spirit moving? Where do you where do, where do you think we're being called to go? And she had this crazy idea that she thought it would be wonderful, especially during the year of the Eucharist, if Bishop Lennon had mass with all the Catholic high school kids in the whole diocese. Do you know how many Catholic high schools we have in the Diocese of Cleveland? Guess. 20. But guess how many students there are? 12,000. So on November 1st, we rented Cleveland Public Auditorium, and we're trying to have a Mass with all the Catholic high schools with Bishop Molesic, and any Catholic kid, even if they don't go to Catholic high school, can come. But that's nuts. But I think it was the Holy Spirit moving through Francine and everything that we've been doing. You're always like sense some struggle along the way, but then like things fall into place and you know like the Spirit's guiding this and you're like, Spirit protect us, Spirit lead us, Holy Spirit, let's go. Like I, this may sound corny to some of you, but I even think this talk tonight, you could say the microphone didn't work because you were out of batteries. Yeah, probably. But also, I don't think the devil wants us to be talking the way that we're talking tonight. So anytime, amen. So anytime you want to, anytime you want to do something good for the kingdom, expect like roadblocks and obstacles and the devil to get it, get his hand in there and start screwing things up. And that's to be expected. Like, I could be recording this thing right now and then the whole thing just doesn't record. Like someone forgot to press the record. Like that stuff happens. And so you have to ask the Holy Spirit, like even when that happens, like lead, let me trust you, Holy Spirit. Lead us, like where are we going here? And I'm, I'm trying, I got, we could get into more of that. I could give you some more examples of how, how trying to do that kind of stuff um, for the diocese. But I don't know how to do half the stuff I'm doing, honest to God. Like, I'm a preacher and a teacher, and I've never done a lot of administration. I know Father Ryan's kind of in the same boat here as a pastor. It's like, we, we were not trained for this at the, at, the, at the seminary. 
pastors traditionally, the guys would go to four or five parishes and they'd learn on the job from all those guys. And then by the time you got a pastor, you'd been out 20 years, right? He was out eight. And, and I'd never had any administrative duties in my life. I'm a teacher and a preacher. And now I have to, you know, have whatever I'd have to do. So I just trust in the Holy Spirit. I'm like, if the bishop asked me to do this, I said, yes, I figure you're going to give me the strength to do it. So that's what you do. So trust the Holy Ghost because that's what he's there for. Pray to him often, ask for his He's full of surprises. That's another thing too. You know your life's being led by the Holy Spirit when you're surprised by things. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. This isn't what I planned. And then you're like, holy cow, this is awesome. Because if you control your whole life, it's no fun. I mean, go ahead, but it's not going to be fun. And then you'll go to hell. Just kidding. Well, you, you kind of, I mean, that's what hell is. You're just in control of everything, right? You, you left no room for the Holy Ghost. Whatever. Okay. Last one. This is it. This is number eight. So you have a, you have a, a decision on the way you want to live your life. And this actually goes, does go back to the Holy Spirit. You could be filled with joy or you could be filled with worry and anxiety. And the choice is up to you. Truly. Because look, where's Pope Francis here? This is the first, this is the very first line of the joy of the God. It's called the joy of the gospel because of the first line. The joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Jesus. So if you come across someone who's filled with joy, that's evidence that they know who Jesus is. And then when you come, when you're around joyful people, unless you're like possessed or something, you're, you're drawn. You're like, I want that. Like, what do they have? They seem like they're living so free. You're not going to bring people to the gospel if you're totally filled with worry and like, and I don't mean like diagnosed medical anxiety. I mean like spiritual, like, oh, I'm so worried about everything all the time. No, like the Lord has won the victory. <sighs> Give your life to him and just say, Lord, I'm scared. I'm feeling crappy right now. Help me. That's a great prayer, by the way. You could say that. So, so you have a choice. You could be filled with joy or you could be filled with worry. Okay, those are the eight things. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.